Hello, everybody. Jeremy Wilson here with another Texas Wine Lover podcast. Today is a a fantastic day. I'm hanging out with two great people in the Texas wine industry. Uh, We're up here hanging out in San Saba, Texas at Wedding Oak Winery with Mike McHenry and Penny Adams. Guys, thank you for joining me today, and I hope you're doing well. Hey, thank you, uh, Jeremy, and thanks, Robin, for coming to visit us. We're excited to have you be in San Saba, and I know for the first time, and that's a, that's a thrill for us. And Penny and I are really glad that you all took the time to come talk to us about what's going on with Wedding Oak. It's my pleasure. Uh, you guys have been doing some fantastic things up here. And I just recently was able to uh, try one of your wines, the San Giovese, and it was very, very nice. Uh, so, of course, everything that Jeff and I are doing, that drew me up here. And we're going to spread the love about San Saba wines and specifically Wedding Oak. Uh, so, just for the listener's sake, if you guys wouldn't mind, tell them a little bit about yourselves and what you do here at Wedding Oak. So, I'm the, the winemaker here at Wedding Oak Winery and uh, have been with them since the, the get-go. And uh, that was, this will be our third vintage in this facility. And uh, we're uh, working through harvest right now and uh, worked through a great harvest 2014 and uh, Lots of uh, manpower and sleepless nights and uh, hard work. That's what happens at harvest, right? That's right. <laughs> Long days, sleepless nights, and uh, hurt and, and the unexpected. Yes. Yeah, and the unexpected. We are living in Texas with the Texas conditions, so it's always a challenge. Uh, yeah, my background was uh, I, I planted my first vineyard in uh, 2000, uh, growing for other wineries, specifically for Alamosa wine cellars. And as a result of that, uh, the uh, co-owner, Jim Johnson, mentored me on, on uh, planting techniques. But I think the best advice of all that I got from Jim was the idea that you need to plant grapes suitable for Texas. So he introduced me to Tempranillo and to Viognier and to Grenache and Syrah and Morved and, and uh, Roussan and Marsan. So we got an opportunity for, right away to, to plant grapes that work in our conditions. And, since we opened Wedding Oak Winery in June of 2012, that fruit has come into our wineries, winery, as Penny noted, for um, three crushes now. And so it's really been, um, it's, it's great to take that side of it, growing a small plot of grapes for specific wines and seeing it turn into what Wedding Oak is, is turning into. So real fun. A lot of good things happening around here right now, obviously. Um, so speaking of harvest, Everything that I've seen, obviously, being a part of Pertinella Cellars has, has been, you know, small yields this year, lots of concentrated fruit, which is what we want, of course, but sometimes when you have those numbers in mind as far as production, it might take things back a little. How has the harvest been so far, 2014, for you? Well, yields were up significantly in most of the vineyard operations, but that doesn't mean that there was a sacrifice of quality at all. The quality has certainly been there, the intensity of the fruits, especially of the reds, some of the white varieties coming in, um, especially now in the high plains, you know, they're, they've had a lot, a lot of rain up there, and that always impacts uh, the fruit quality as it comes in, in the back door. Um, but no, the quality this year has been phenomenal by comparison to previous years. But yeah, and I think, and I think too, um, this year reminded us once again why we as a winery have to diversify sourcing within Texas for our Texas fruit. Um, we, if we were 100% dependent on high plains, we would have taken a big hit in some areas. Uh, and if we were 100% d- 
depending on hill country, we would have had similar issues at other times. What we've learned this year is we had some vineyards completely toasted out with the April weather events and all second secondary push, secondary crop, so lower yields, high quality, and then we've had others, like our own vineyards, that have uh, actually outproduced previous years, and it all has to do with whether or not they were impacted by those weather events and what those conditions were. So I think for the for us, we just have to continue to, to um, develop quality growers and quality sources that are more diversified so that we're maybe hedging our bets more on on having the yield we need to hit our numbers, our production numbers. Now, for instance, uh, our 2013 crop, the High Plains, of course, was hit very hard. And most of our 2013, and all of our 2013 crop is from Hill Country. So we, we came out shining last year, even though the production numbers were down. Uh, but working just with Hill Country fruit, uh, I could smile. And m one of my goals as a, a winemaker and being from this area is to prove to the world, but also the High Plains growers, that we can produce high quality fruit here in the Hill Country um, and you know, close to our wineries uh, where we need them to be. So, uh, at, at the same time, we recognize that the High Plains uh, is where um, some really large production operations are going in with some, some quality growers. So we want to partner, continue to partner with them too. So it's that diversification that Penny and I share. I might add that, that, I, that I knew Penny back in her days as the viticulture advisor for the Hill Country. And as a grower, I first met Penny in the early 2000s. And that's how we got to know each other, which led to her going to work for Wedding Oak when we were putting together our team to go to work as our winemaker. And obviously things have come together well because the wines are tasting great. and. Obviously, there's some expansion coming in the future here yeah. and, and lots of good stuff. And Something to touch base on, too. One thing I've noticed in the industry, working in the industry, is what I like about the diversity, not just having your own fruit in the hill country to rely on, depending on the year, but the high plains is the diversity of the fruit itself, right? you got these different soil types and microclimates all over Texas, yeah. and everything I've noticed about the hill country, you get those thicker skins and big tannins and those beautiful fruits because of that heat and you know, there's mm -hmm. not that much diurnal shift and you get this beautiful stuff from the Binghams and the, and the Reddies and the Newsoms that is just this nice soft fruit that has a little more to me naturally some elegance and a little more retained acidity and things you look for when you're blending there you go you've got this natural way of blending grapes from multiple vineyards just like you find in, in other parts of the world that come together to, to give you this I guess you can say the sense of place, so to speak, with different Texas terroir. Yeah, terroir. I mean, that is the terroir, right? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, we've noticed, um, like our vineyards are 14th leaf here now in Sinsaba County, so we have a little bit of time in them. Um, some of the fruit that we've taken from others are in the uh, 13th, 14th, 15th leaf. So we're starting to get that uh, reflection of, of age and soil uh, in, in the fruit. Uh, you're right, we don't have the diurnal swings, we don't have the, um, uh, we certainly have hotter conditions, lower altitude, 1,200 feet versus 3,400 feet, so we don't get the cooler nights, but we do get some very intense fruit. Um, so we have two wines that, uh, one's a Rhone blend, a Rhone red blend, which is Granada Syrah, Morvet and Senso, we call Terre Rouge, and then we have our Rhone white blend, called Terre Blanc, which is Viognier, Marsan, Roussan, or any combination of those 
depending on what we have available that year. But those were two of our flagship wines out of Sensaba County. And, uh, and then our other Tempranillo blends and others, you know, depending, Sanjibese, it depends on where we get the fruit and what we do with it. So 2014 is shaping up um, a little light on the reds, um, lots of whites. We're going to have plenty of white uh, available and a little lighter on the reds. We don't quite have as much red production. We are um, set to bottle about 4,100 cases in January, and we're doing another 1,000 cases um, in the next week. So between now and the end of January, we'll with a, uh, bottled up about 5,100 cases. So we're um, exceeding where we thought we would be, and we just continue to, to work hard to, to uh, bring customers to us and, and get them to know about our wines. Yeah, exciting times. touch a little bit, Jeremy, on um, the, the blending aspect. My style as a winemaker is blending, and being able to put together wines in the cellar that you can later blend together to create the Teojas and the, um, the other blends, the Terrouge and Terre Blancs and, and whatnot that we make. We, we do a lot of blending, but it's the recognition of those as they develop in the cellar and pulling those together. Uh, I mean, I might have one plan for something, but as I was putting the Tioja together in 2012, I came across about five barrels that were really superior in quality. And those went into the Tempranillo Reserva uh, that was bottled uh, this past spring. And so I, it's always uh, tasting wines, of course, throughout the, the process from juice as it's coming in the door uh, through you know, the end of primary fermentation and uh, throughout barreling. Our barrel program here is uh, we use once-used barrels. Uh, we don't use any new oak uh, purposely. I I don't like a lot of oak character on wines. I'd rather have the fruit shine forward and not be covered up or masked by intense wood. So uh, our barreling program, we've got 100. 140 barrels now in our program and uh, all French oak but uh, again it's just uh, tasting wines as they go through the process and recognizing when when things need to come together and, and at, the, at the right time and I guess as a winemaker you have to always have that open mind and know that you have these beautiful things going on but things can change obviously as, as things are aging and progressing in the barrels absolutely yeah, and, and the beauty of blending is it gives us that flexibility each year to make the best wine available from what we have. Uh, an example this year that some things that Penny had preconceived and she and I had talked about about what this lineup would look like out of the 2014 have already shifted because some of the fruit we didn't get as much of as we thought we would and we got a lot more of others and, and uh, yeah, we're going to introduce a dry rosé and now we're going to do some other things that weren't in, the, weren't in our lineup plans four months ago or three months ago. I think that ability, and I think all wineries do that, but we really are focused on it. And blending gives us that that opportunity to to create um, those special special wines. Each vintage, and every vintage for us needs to be reflective of that, and and not get into the, the mindset of doing cookie cutter wines where everything is each year tastes about the same. We want it to be reflective of the of the terroir and the vintage and the conditions. Well, that's exciting to hear because, as we know, some of the best winemakers and winers in the world don't want to adhere to any kind of 
cookie cutter standard. They, you know, they let the, the, the fruit speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And you put your talents in, in winemaking and, and the passion and soul as far as whatever that vintage brought into play. And that's what mm-hmm. makes wine great. Not uh, having a set pattern. This is what we have to do. This is what's going to happen no matter what. And I think it's exciting to hear that. And, and I hope the listeners appreciate that because, you know, to take Texas to the next level, to keep excelling from where we are now, it's, we need more people like you who recognize that and want to make literally world-class wine year after year, mm-hmm. no matter how you have to go about doing that, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's sacrificing some fruit and having, you know, lower, lower yields or lower productions and better quality, whatever it might be. Uh, but before we wrap things up, anything you guys would like to add as far as uh, anything going on in the near future here at Wedding Oak or new wines coming out or anything you'd just like to tell the listeners? Well, I think uh, for, for me, yeah, two, two uh, important things are taking place. One, uh, we are actively working on a second location, and that second location is pretty close to being finalized, and it'll be at another uh, uh, Texas town within the Hill Country. It won't be. It will not be. Uh, down on 290. Uh, So the rest of you down there on 290, don't worry about that. you got plenty of action. Uh, But we are are excited about uh, that second location, and it will be in a historic downtown area also. And so we're real pleased uh, about that. And then the other thing that we're working on, and we've secured the location, is the the incubator concept, where we're going to be incubating a startup winery three doors down from our current location here in San Saba. We purchased a 1924 building that is going to have its own tasting room, even have its own apartment, assuming that the incubator candidate will come from out of town, and it'll have a patio and everything that a startup winery would want in terms of physical conditions, and then we'll assist them to whatever level they require on the winemaking side. But what it does is it gives a birthplace for a startup winery and this concept has been done successfully in Washington State and Walla Walla and in Carleton, Oregon and the Willamette Valley. Uh, we're just going to do it on a one building, one opportunity to start up here. So we are interviewing and actively looking for uh, the right candidate to participate with a, perhaps an opening next fall, a year from now. So we think that's a, a, an added service to uh, Texas wine industry that gives wineries an incentive to to, to maybe make the decision to get started. Now I've got a place to go. I can lease this space. I can go do it. Nice. So. Very nice. Penny, anything to add? No, uh, I would say uh, our continued participation in events around the, the state are really important for us, reaching out to new clientele and consumers, uh, introducing them to Wedding Oak Wines and what we're doing up here. Um, we are focused, as Mike said, on uh, the northern hill country and really feel like uh, this is the right place to be. And uh, with time, people will come. We, we, we kind of like our place here. Yeah, we do. And, and I, applaud the, I applaud the folks downstate that have done what they've done um, between Fredericks- Kerrville, Fredericksburg, and Johnson City with High and Stonewall and everything in between, that that is a phenomenal um, uh, endeavor and risk that's been taken by a lot of people. And, and we're just offering an alternative for those to, to further expand their travels when they're in the Hill Country, that they can also come to the Northern Hill Country and visit the other six or seven wineries that are up in this area, soon to be nine or ten more. So it's all good stuff. 
We look forward to it that. It is. It is. And we do have a reserve Syrah we're working on that, uh, that uh, maybe today you'll get an opportunity to taste. And uh, some other new wines. We did release our first sparkling wine back in February. It sold out uh, in six months, so now we're bottling up. Obviously, we missed that one, so we're doubling our uh, production and producing another sparkling out of the uh, out of Muscat Canelli, which has been a big hit. And we're working on some other other wines that are uh, to add to the lineup that we think complement and, and fill uh, important uh, choices for our customers. I think uh, probably the last thing I want to touch on is uh, seeing the progress over the 35 years or so I've been in this business here. And the, the progress in terms of quality wines has been phenomenal. Um, and uh, I think the industry is here to stay. I've seen a lot of ups and downs over the years, but I think I think the industry is here to stay and uh, the support is certainly there uh, for, for all of the Texas wines, Hill Country in particular. We wrap a good point, and we'll kind of wrap it up. But for those of you who don't know, um, Penny Adams has been in the industry for quite a while, uh, since the late 70s, early 80s, right, Penny? Late 70s, I planted my first vines in Blanco County in 1979. Okay. So you've been making wine just for a little while, right? Just, just a few years. <laughs> she was only three when she started, so let's be fair. Yeah. <laughs> and she looks yeah. wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. but uh, but it's uh, in that that goes out to the listeners too. You know, the reason we do these podcasts is to spread the word of love of Texas wine and and awesome wines happening. And speaking of that, we're going to go taste some wine now. So yep. we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you both again for hanging out with us today. And for those of you tuning in, we will see you next time. And thanks for listening to the Texas Texas Wine Lover Podcast. <laughs>